decision, it's all right to worship God, as long as it doesn't keep them from creating other gods and doing whatever they wanted to do. It's not unlike what we have today in society, is it? But what does Jeremiah do? He takes his message to the streets. And he says to whoever will listen to him, listen, people, hear me here. The only way you can escape the destruction that is coming on this city is to go to the enemy, the Babylonians, and turn yourselves in. I don't care what you might hear. The only way you're going to survive is to give up before the fighting even begins. Otherwise, you're going to die from either the sword, famine, or plague. Now, the king's officials, they don't like what they're hearing. And they get together and they go to the king and they demand that Jeremiah be put to death. They tell the king that he's discouraging the soldiers. He's discouraging the people that are left in the city. And the king is not willing to speak up for Jeremiah. And he tells these officials, I can't do anything to oppose you. Jeremiah is in your hands. Sounds a little bit familiar to something we learn about in the New Testament, doesn't it? So now they go out and they grab Jeremiah and they put him in a cistern. They put ropes around him, they load him into this well. I doubt they did it too carefully. But the cistern has no longer got any water in it. There's nothing but mud at the bottom. And here sits a servant of God in this dark, stinking mud with who knows how many insects and other creatures down there with him. The mud's going up his legs. If he sits down, it'll cover his waist. There'll be no way to lie down and sleep. And I doubt it's what Jeremiah envisioned when God told him, I've called you to be prophet to the nations. So many people think that when you walk with the Lord, everything automatically goes along well in your life. Our walk with God is not about how well everything is going in our lives, but rather about how well we are walking with God in the things that enter our lives. Now I can just imagine as they are lowering Jeremiah into the cistern, that Jeremiah is mentally preparing himself to die of starvation or from whatever disease he might get from a bite from whatever creature is waiting for him down there. And now he's got no friends that are willing to speak up on his behalf. But, but, we should never forget, we do not know who God has placed in the right place to make a difference on our behalf. Now we don't know how he got there, but there's a eunuch, a Kushite from Africa, who was there in the royal palace. Abed-Melech, our superman of today. He's a man of integrity and obviously is someone who loves the Lord. Now when Abed-Melech hears about Jeremiah being put in the cistern, he knows what he's got to do. And he puts his own life on the line and he decides to get involved in Jeremiah's situation. This man is willing to speak up when everybody else kept their mouths closed. And he goes and tells King Zedekiah 
These men have acted wickedly in what they did to Jeremiah. They've thrown him into this pit, and he's surely going to starve to death. And simply because Abed-Melech was willing to speak up, it gives the king enough courage to stand up to the other leaders. Abed-Melech didn't care who the other leaders were. He called them wicked men because their actions were wicked. We know that the king had already told these wicked men, I can do nothing to oppose you. But Abed-Melech, who's willing to speak up, gives the king courage to speak up. And the king says, take 30 men from here and lift Jeremiah, the prophet, up before he dies. The simple truth is, you need to speak up in order to give somebody courage to speak up and do the right thing. And I'm sure we all know Ibed-Meleks in this world, in our circle of influence, who lift others up. But there was danger in Ibed-Meleks' involvement. He was an African hero. We told this. It's there written in Scripture. But Jeremiah's plot was really no concern of Ibed-Meleks. He was far from the upper Nile where he'd grown up, but the Kushites had worked his way up into his place in this royal palace. But while he had influence, he had to be careful when and how he used it. And sticking his neck out for an unpopular prophet was surely a risk for him. The king could have decided to kill both Jeremiah and Abed-Melech. But in the end, Zedekiah let the prophet live, but ignored Jeremiah's advice to surrender peacefully. And Zedekiah put his entire court, including Abed-Melech and Jeremiah, at great risk. So what does Abed-Melech do once he gets the approval from the king? He goes and finds old rags, worn-out clothes, and he lets them down with ropes to Jeremiah. For a minute, imagine, Jeremiah's in this cistern. It's muddy and damp, must have been humid. He's already had ropes, I doubt, carefully placed under his arms, and I doubt he was carefully lowered into the cistern, so I can assume there was some damage done to his arms as he was lowered down the first time. And in that humid, hot, wet, damp cistern, his skin was already becoming raw. But Abed-Melech sends down worn rags and old clothes, and he tells Jeremiah to put them under his arms before he puts the ropes under his arms so that they can pull him up carefully out of the cistern. And as the men pulled Jeremiah one way, the black mud tried to pull him back the other way. And they finally get him to the top, and they hold him in the courtyard. I'm sure he looked an absolute mess. I'm sure he smelt even worse. But Jeremiah was still faithful, and he still spoke the same message God had given him. Yet he was still held a prisoner in the courtyard until we're told a few chapters later 
the Babylonians enter the city and take it. But Jeremiah still keeps speaking up for the Lord. And God looks on favor, looks on with favor on Abedmelech for his willingness to speak up for Jeremiah. And God tells Jeremiah to say this to Abedmelech. Disaster is coming to the city, but don't worry, I've got you. You will be safe. I will save you. And if we're honest, if Abed-Melech had not been willing to risk paying the price of speaking up, he would have been slaughtered by the Babylonians when they captured the city a few chapters later. But God intervenes on his behalf. So I'm going to ask you a tricky question this morning. What position has God placed us in, in which we need to speak up, but we continue to be silent? What position has God placed you in, in which you need to speak up, but you continue to be silent? Are we afraid of losing a friendship, a job, a position? Are we afraid of ridicule and rejection? Ultimately, whether or not we speak up will be dependent on just how much we trust God to handle our lives. Jeremiah's life lets us know it's not going to be easy. But Abed-Melech's witness reassures us it will be worth it. But what do we learn from Abed-Melech? We learn that Abed-Melech had courage. Many opposed the words of Jeremiah when he spoke them, but Abed-Melech was willing to stand up for what was right and to stand against the enemies of the truth and of Jeremiah. And the amazing thing is that this foreigner goes to the king. He doesn't go to the officials. He goes directly to the king to petition for God's prophet. And he does so calling the princes of Judah evil men. He was taking a risk and standing up for what was right. Who knows what could have come upon him if the king did not agree. He could have even been thrown into the same cistern as Jeremiah. What would we have done in Abed-Melech's position? Would we have stood up for the Lord and his prophet? Would we have put our necks on the line to do what is right? To answer these questions, we just need to take a look at how we respond to situations that we are put into now. How many of us have been ashamed at times for doing what is right or for standing up for God? Or just as bad, how many times have, been, have we been too ashamed to do anything? Are any of us unwilling to put ourselves in a position where we may be ridiculed or humiliated? We need to not be ashamed. We have such a powerful message to share with others, and we do not need to be ashamed of it. Romans 1, chapter 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to bring salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And Paul tells Timothy to not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but to share with him in suffering for the gospel's sake. Let this be our reminder 
to not be ashamed because our reward is at stake. We may be looked at strangely for wanting to be with God's people on a Sunday. Our families may look at us as having our priorities messed up because we put the Lord and his word first, just as he's instructed us to. But how many of us don't stand up for those who misuse the Lord's name as we should? We don't share the gospel as we should. Are we ashamed? Jesus says in Luke 9 verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed. And when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. If we are not willing to confess our Lord when times get tough, we should not think that he will confess us in the presence of God as his servants. Abedmelech was willing to take a stand against Jeremiah's opposition and to help deliver Jeremiah from certain death. Now, we don't have to overcome the kind of opposition and obstacles that Abedmelech had to help Jeremiah overcome. The only thing that stands in the way of our service to God is one another. So I ask you, are we an Abedmelech? But what do Abedmeleks do? They go to the defense of those unjustly attacked. They risk their own reputations and welfare to help them out. They look to the details, compassion, of assisting them out of their trouble. Abedmelek supplied old cloths to pad the ropes so Jeremiah's arms wouldn't be hurt. Abedmeleks allow no delay in rescuing. Abedmelech allowed no delay in rescuing Jeremiah and getting him to a place of safety. But what's the reward for Abedmelechs? In Jeremiah 39, verses 16 to 18, we read this. God remembered what the Cushite had done for Jeremiah. Go and tell Abedmelech the Cushite. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I am about to fulfill my words against the city, words concerning disaster, not prosperity. At that time they will be fulfilled before your eyes. But I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life, because you trust in me, declares the Lord. When Jeremiah was rescued from the pit, he came to Zedekiah and preached the same message to him that got him thrown into that cistern, telling him to surrender, to spare his life, the lives of his family and the city. But in chapter 39, when the Chaldeans come upon the city to take it, Zedekiah doesn't surrender. Rather, he flees and he takes those, with, those around him with him and they leave the city but they're overtaken. And the last thing that the king sees before his eyes are put out is his sons and all the nobles of Jerusalem being killed. And then he's taken to Babylon. But this was not the case with Jeremiah and his rescuer Abedmelech. Their lives are spared. 
King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon gives charge to his commander to not harm him and to do whatever Jeremiah wanted him to do. God sees and is faithful to deliver those who trust in him and serve his people. In the midst of God's judgment and destruction of those who rebelled against him, he saved the few that were righteous and spared them from his wrath. In our scripture this morning, there were two people who could have helped Jeremiah. The first one, King Zedekiah, the one who had all the resources at his disposal. He had riches, power, authority, but he chose none of that to help Jeremiah. And then we have Abedmelech, the foreigner, the eunuch, the servant, who had no riches, no power, no authority, yet he had courage and he had a voice. And God can do a lot with only those two things. Maybe you don't have a lot of resources, but you have a willingness to help. That's all God needs from you. My final point is this. Abed-Melech means a servant of the Lord. The definition of Abed-Melech is a servant of the Lord. That could be any one of us. So are you Abed-Melech? Let us pray. Lord, you've called us to more. You've called us to stand for truth. To stand for justice. Lord, you've called us to speak up. But Father, there's so many times when we don't do that. Lord, when we only focus in on ourselves. And Father, often we've been ashamed. And Lord, we need you now to show us those times when we acted like King Zedekiah and we chose the coward's way. And we pray, Lord, forgive us 
Forgive us for those times when we didn't stand for your truth, but instead cowered and took the easy road. And Lord, we pray for courage. Courage to be like Abed-Melech, a servant of the Lord. To stand up against the plans of wicked men. To oppose schemes of the world. and to challenge authorities on your truth. Because, Father, we know our reward is at stake. And, Lord, we pray that you would look on us with favor just as you looked on Jeremiah and Abed-Melech with favor. And Father, we know that all you require of us was given to us in Micah chapter 6, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. And Lord, when we live that out, we become Abed-Melech, your servant. So Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us and show us how we best can be Abed-Melech in our everyday lives. pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.